What's going on, everybody? And welcome to episode 37 of the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And we've got a super fun baseball surprise episode coming this week. But first, Pat, wanted to give you a little bit of perspective here. When this episode drops, it is August 25th. School's mm. about to start. We're getting into that season. You're going to make me and... feel old. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> August 25th, and the Seattle Mariners are two and a half games out of a wild card spot in the American League. I mean, we could have just built this surprise episode around the Seattle Mariners, and I don't think anyone would have batted an eye, right? <laughs> Two and a half games. I, I, we can, again, you can do a whole podcast episode about what this season was for the Mariners, because you and I are both going to say, nobody expected it to happen. Nobody is actually thinking it's legit. But again... Mm-hmm. August 25th, and they are neck and neck with Oakland and Boston for that second wildcard spot. It's insane. 10 games over 500 as Man. well. It's to, for me to use the phrase dumbfounded, which is how I feel that the Seattle Mariners are sitting there right now, I feel completely justified in saying that. I mean, the cast of character, it doesn't make sense with, with this group where they are. Paul Sewold, a former Met, has turned into one of the best relief pitchers in the entire sport. A guy Love that, that was reference, just, yeah. He was terrible in New York and and has really been, been great this year. You can throw that on with a bunch of different guys for this Mariners team. I mean, Kyle Seager, we know, is their star, and he's sitting there at 29 home runs. I mean, what a season for Seager. Mitch Hanager's, Hanager is always good. But then it's just a bunch of other guys. Other guys is how you put it with the Ty Franz, the Jake Fraley. Jared Kelenic hasn't even hit as, as one of the top prospects in baseball. This is a remarkable story. Uh, you can keep going. Jared Kelenic yeah. hasn't hit. Uh, Kyle Lewis got hurt back in May or June. Tyler Trammell hasn't been playing in the major league level. Julio Rodriguez isn't up yet. We talk a lot about playing with house money this year. A lot of teams mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about in this real episode are playing with house money. The Mariners are about four years ahead right now the al west is theirs in three to five years but no one in a million trillion years would have thought that the mariners would be anywhere close to contention right now we're about to do the biggest surprises in baseball so far and i actually am embarrassed that the mariners weren't mine because that's the biggest surprise this season by far it, it truly is. It, there, there are some teams that have really surprised for different different reasons throughout this season. I'm not sure anyone is more surprising than Seattle Mariners being in truly. contention this late in the season. Truly. All right. Well, I kind of uh, I I said what we were gonna do, but why don't you tell everyone what we're gonna do, and then you can get into your first topic. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Just on the Mariners too. Baseball Reference still doesn't believe in them either, giving them a four percent chance to make the playoffs. You know. So you- <sighs> I want to root for them, but also that would mean that Boston wouldn't get in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can't. So I can't. <laughs> I, I they totally can take the Yankees it. spot. I'm totally fine. There you go. There, but there, at there this you point, go. Two and a half game cushion is kind of a lot for less than 40 games left in the, in the season. But hey, I don't yeah. know. Who knows? I, 
Uh, I would say so, but what we're looking to do here for this episode is talk about surprises, because of course everyone loves surprises, and th- this will really be focusing on either players or teams that have really surprised us with their performance, maybe their underperformance, so far this season. It's so just a way to kind of look back and, and put things under a different lens, instead of just saying like, oh, who's been greater, or you know, who has, has really underperformed, well, what stood out as, wow, I, I really didn't expect that, and I, I think that's where we're both trying to go with this, and it should be a really fun kind of look at what's happened so far this season, as we're about to get into September baseball. I was just going to say, we have, s- Pat and I were just talking about it before we hit record, I genuinely feel like I can go on MLB TV and click over half of the matchups and get a really good game. Whether it's the race for the AL wildcard or the NL wildcard, or you still get the rivalry between the Dodgers and the Padres, even though those clubs are going in different directions. These next six weeks are going to be the best six weeks of baseball in a long time. This playoff is going to be insane. I'm so excited. Again, we could have, I I can't imagine this. Red Sox Yankees AL wildcard game and Dodgers Padres NL wildcard game. What would happen? Baseball would explode right there. Yeah. Rob Manfred would explode. It would, but I'll tell you what. It's going to be Dodgers Reds just like I, I said last week. <laughs> Don't burst my bubble. It's got to be That's Dodgers all right. That's a Padres. great matchup too. But yes, no, Dodgers Padres obviously would be unbelievable. The one thing I will say for turning on MLB TV and picking a game, just don't pick the Orioles game. But yeah. uh, otherwise, you Poor know, Orioles. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay. All right. Maybe hopefully some positivity. All right. Hopefully. I'll go first then. Cool. So I, I picked a team, really two teams, but on my second team, I'm going to focus on sp- some specific players. And then I have a player at the end. I want to talk about the Braves. Mm. And while I felt like this was a bit of an obvious pick, when I started writing down my notes, it was too good to pass up. So I'll set the scene a little bit. Let's go back to seven weeks ago when the arguably best player on the planet, Ronald Acuna, went down in the outfield, tore his ACL, was deemed out for the season, and the Atlanta Braves, who had already been struggling, pretty much waved the white flag. It was pretty much over. While that is happening, Mike Soroka has been out for the year. Travis mm-hmm. Darno would be out for months with a thumb injury. They're already was out without Marcel Azuna. Ian Anderson went on the IL the day after Acuna Torres ACL. Freddie Freeman is batting 228. That's where we were seven weeks ago. Yep. And then instead of waving that white flag, like everybody thought they should, GM Alex Anthopoulos, at four games behind the Mets, traded for Jock Peterson and Steven Vogt. At the deadline, they went after Richard Rodriguez, who I highlighted as one of the highest impact relief arms on the market. They also completely remade their outfield with Duval, Soler, and Rosario. We've talked about all this, but I'm yep. just setting the scene for what the Braves were. Because now, since all of that movement, you've got that completely remade outfield putting this team back in playoff contention. Freeman, Albies, Swanson, and Riley... In my eyes, the second best infield in the sport have played at least 123 of 125 games. Talk about durability. It just doesn't happen anymore. Freeman's slugging over 512, or over 500, 512. He has 27 homers. Albies leads the NL in doubles. He also has 22 homers as a second baseman. 
Swanson, his slash line, I want to read out all these numbers for all the Dansby haters. 267, Mm -hmm. 323, 496 with 25 homers. Just set the franchise record for shortstop home runs. Oh, you beat me to it. Yep. I got, that was my favorite (laughs) stat ever. He's also played every (laughs) single game this season. And then your guy, Austin Riley, slugging 532, 27 homers, leads the team in baseball reference war. The turnaround that the Braves are on is nothing short of impossible. And I hate to say this. I won't have this be the focal point. The reason is because any lead that the Mets had in the NL East all year long was so volatile. And it turns out Mm. that it was even more volatile than we thought. But this is the Braves that we have always known. This is the Braves team that wins the division year after year. And no matter how many injuries they endure, they're going to make a deep run in the postseason. Yeah, I am so impressed by the really revitalization that Atlanta has had because going into June, I truly thought this team was done. They just, the pitching wasn't there. And while the the Braves haven't over the last couple years really been a pitching franchise, they've been picked up by their hitting and the hitting was, you know, okay. You know, you had Swanson was having a good year. Riley was having a good year at this point, but it was still pre-tear Freddie Freeman. Ozzie Albies hadn't really heated up yet. Obviously they hadn't gone with the remake of this outfield yet and what they have done is the offense is on an absolute other level the pitching has stabilized I still do not feel great about the Braves pitching but Charlie Morton has been much better than he was earlier in the season Max Free we know how talented he can be Unoscar Unoa has come back recently from from the hand injury which is obviously really really important for them I mean Austin Riley's a star I don't know how else to put it at this point he he is an absolute star and one of the better hitters in the National League, especially at third base. He's been on such a tear. He's got over a 1.1 OPS in in the second half of the season. That's all-star numbers. It, it truly is. And Freddie Freeman as well, just as we said. he, you know, Of course, the MVP last year really was struggling the first part of the season. Since the All-Star break, he's hitting just a measly 380 to lead <laughs> the Braves where they are right now. You mentioned Dansby Swanson. Each one of the outfielders that they acquired as well in in Jock Peterson, Adam Duvall, and Jorge Soler. Rosario hasn't played yet, but each of them has an OPS plus of over 100 as well, making that offense even better. They're all about offense, and that offense is clicking right now, even without Ronald Acuna. So impressive to see them get back to where they are. In a Fernando Tatis-less NL, I think Freeman, Albies, and Riley would be in the top five or six of NL MVP voting. They might be Mm -hmm. that anyway. This infield, every single member of the infield could have over 30 homers. Think about that. The Dodgers aren't even doing that. The Braves are doing that without Ronald Acuna. This, I mean, Husker Yanoa broke his hand because he punched a wall. Mike Soroka had another injury. Travis Darno's injury. Ozuna's absence. Everything was going wrong, and they got the confidence from their GM. They bought when they had no business buying. Mm-hmm. Every single sign was pointing towards them to sell, and it's just the the experience came up, and it's so insane to watch, and now the NL East has been completely flipped on its head. I remember saying on this show, at what point, remember we always had that conversation about at one point, does it stop being... too small of a sample size i remember saying verbatim at what point are we going to say this season just isn't it for the braves and i thought we were at the point i did i take full full responsibility for that 
I don't remember the last time it was this stark. Honestly, maybe the Washington Nationals, 2019, yeah. their World Series run. That much of a turnaround has felt like for the Braves. <laughs> I'm going to give you another team like that in a little bit. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm completely with you on, on the Braves and certainly a, a surprise. I would say surprise in both ways. Surprise at how bad it got and then right. surprising at how, how how drastically they've been able to turn things around. That's a, a very good way to end because if the Braves had been on the same track, if they had stayed on that track, they might have made this list too. <laughs> so luckily we're talking about it the other way. Maybe not so luckily for you as a Mets fan. But uh, yeah, I, would I don't say know, so. that pitching staff obviously isn't going to match up to LA's or Milwaukee's, no. but I don't. I wouldn't want to face Charlie Morin. I wouldn't want to face Ian Anderson, who's coming off of that insane postseason last year. They've got some good bullpen arms, and then you have to face one of the toughest toughest one to five hitters in the league. So they're not. They're no easy opponent by any means. We, we are headed towards a Braves Brewers NLDS with you know the the two Ooh. division winners that aren't the National League West, and it is just the perfect blend of pitching versus hitting. So that that series would just, if it is in fact what we get, would be just a a, a huge treat for baseball fans to get to see just elite pitching against elite hitting. I can't even let my mind go there because we're no, I won't either because I would like hour long mega playoff preview of every single series. Oh, you, because that's you, how good the matchups are gonna be. Yeah. I also won't let my mind get there because my mind is still like, hey, the Mets could make a run. I'm, I'm kidding. Oh, we know Pat. that's not happening. Oh, <laughs> we, know- <laughs> we know that's not happening. But Poor speaking Pat. of teams that will not be making a run, the only run that they could possibly be making is setting the all-time record for most losses in a row, and that would be the Baltimore Orioles. So mm. they are on their way to their 19th straight loss as we record this on, on August 24th. I and it's a the bad record- loss today. It's it's a bad one. I, I believe the record is twenty three and it's twenty one or twenty three in a row. I should have had that offhand, but it, it's one of those numbers. So they're closing in on it. But who I want to spotlight is someone we've talked about before, and it's Cedric Mullins. And and why it's Cedric Mullins is because just we've seen some flashes from Cedric Mullins in the past for from the first couple seasons entering his age twenty six season, but we had not seen the Cedric Mullins that has come out this year currently hitting at a 309 clip with a 370 on base percentage a 146 ops plus again reminder 46 percent better than league average 21 home runs 22 stolen bases there is potential for a 30 30 season out of him i'm not sure he gets there home run wise but it could definitely happen and then what you want to look at too is the war numbers and according to fan graphs he is the 12th best player in baseball this year with a four point six war that is better than jose ramirez that is better than bryce harper that is better than garrett cole that is better than walker bueller that is better than juan soto those are the numbers that cedric mullins has put up and on a team that of course is not going to get too much attention because the orioles are again barreling towards possibly the worst stretch of baseball we have ever seen Cedric Mullins has been an all-star and has been a phenomenal player and is truly one of the main, if not the main building block for this Orioles franchise to build around. I absolutely love this, Pat. I thought you'd enjoy this one. I am so happy. I will take it a step further. I love all those guys that you said he's better than. I think he is the third best player in the AL. I think Shohei Otani and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. are better than him this year. I do I think he's better than Matt Olson, and I think he's better than Rafael Devers because he has the mix of the speed, the power, and he's better on defense, certainly, than Devers. And I think playing center field just puts you in a different category than a first baseman like Olson. I think he should finish third in MVP voting. 
in the AL. Oh, that that'd be so cool. I I bet you he doesn't finish there because of the win loss record. But I know if we were if we were going off of straight stats, it's hard to argue he is not top three at worst top five in the American <laughs> League right now. Uh, no, I completely agree, and it's funny too because we all thought the story around the Orioles was going to be Trey Mancini because of, of the course. comeback story, obvious comeback player of the year. He's having a good season, but mm-hmm. you would be so remiss to not talk about Cedric Mullen. And I stand yeah. by the fact that I think the Orioles have talent. I don't think they are as bad as a 19-loss team or whatever they're even at right now. And I, they, It seems more likely than not that they're going to break that record and be on the uh, wrong side of history. They they might. They have to finish up with the Angels, and then they have Tampa Bay coming up after that, and I believe Man. it's Toronto after that as well. Neither so of it, those are easy. Things, yeah, things do not get any easier for the Orioles. As you said, the, there is some talent on this Orioles team. You know, Ryan Mountcastle, Cedric Mullins, as you said with Trey Mancini, you know, Adley Rushman is, of course, the big one down there in the minor mm-hmm. leagues that everyone is waiting to come up and see. The problem is that there is just, when I say there is no pitching on this team, that's an insult to teams that have no pitching. It is <laughs> it is so rough for the Orioles right now that they, they're going to need to have to retool that in its entirety to have any prayer of competing by their window is probably around 2023 at the earliest, I would say. Uh, that's their biggest thing, but... We don't need to do a full deep dive on the Baltimore Orioles and how that rebuild is going. (laughs) I don't even think 2023 is close. I thought you were going to say 2026. Like, it might be that long. As I said, at the earliest. It's more... I have 2025 in my head, but we'll we'll see. I like the 2024 to 26 range, because then you give Adley Rutschman two years in the leagues. Exactly. Who knows how it'd be. But, I mean, my favorite conversation when we talk about Cedric Mullins, besides how good he is, is the Orioles decided to keep him. He is yes. now their future. He is the guy. Him and Rushman. I hope they keep him too. Yeah, and I mean, at this point, you're never going to be higher than this. They could have sold That's him true. at the highest he would ever be. They decided to keep him. Now they build around him. He is definitely, he is a five-tool player. He is as good as, okay, well, he's not as good as Ronald Acuna, but he has all the tools that Ronald Acuna has. Mm-hmm. Top of the lineup guy, excellent defender, speed, can pop a home run. That's everything you want. Everything he's, you he's want. So now exciting. you just you gotta put resources into the pitch into the pitching if you're in the Orioles front office. Yep, that that's what it's all about at this point. So yeah. we'll see what happens. But you know, what a season so far for Cedric Mullins and certainly caught me by surprise because I never thought he'd put up a, a season where we're talking about him as a top five player in the American League. <laughs> right? I love that. I love that, yeah. Alright, so I will I'll go back to a team now and I'll finish mm-hmm. on my last guy after you go again I, I felt I felt very obvious on my two picks but I really couldn't not go with them so I'm gonna talk about the Giants obviously yeah, had to do it had to do it had to do it uh, uh let me pull up their actual record as we record they are 80 and 44 first team to 80 wins they are pretty much the first team to every big milestone win Six yeah, they'll, they'll be at 81 percentage. by the end of the night from recording this while I have the Met game on in the background. <laughs> Thank you for that nugget. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> they they lead almost every single offensive category. Yeah, it's and incredible. And you could pretty much go down the roster 
and talk about how much each player has contributed. You could do it with Kevin Gosman. You can do it with Brandon Crawford, who they have already extended, which I love. Mm-hmm. You could do it with Yastrzemski. You could do it with Logan Webb. You could do it with Anthony DiSlefani. I am going to focus on the revitalization, as we keep that theme, of oh, Buster Posey, yep. who's 34 years old, and Evan Longoria, who's 35 years old. So I'll start with Longoria, who unfortunately hasn't played a full season because of injuries, but he's in his 14th Major League Baseball season. And I'm going to run through some stats, and I'm going to tell you where this year matches up with his 14-year-long career. You ready for this? Let's do it. His walk percentage is the second best of his career. His average is tied for the second best of his career. His slugging, 526, Evan Longoria is slugging tied for the third best of his career wrc plus 144 44 better than league average second best of his career and then he's got career best in weighted on base average on base percentage and babip to sum up evan longoria is as good as he was when he was the face of the tampa bay rays back in 2014 we've turned back the clock that many years And Longoria is now that essential to this San Francisco Giants team that is legitimately a World Series favorite. You're so right. And the funny thing is you go through here with, you know, who do you want to talk about as most surprising? As you said, we could go with any of the (laughs) San Francisco Giants roster. With Posey, Brandon Belt's been back this year. Brandon Crawford deserves to be. You talk about Cedric Mullins being up there in MVP Mm -hmm. voting. Brandon Crawford should probably be top three at worst, top five in the NL MVP voting. I mean, Lamont Wade has been so good for them off the bench uh, this season. We know about the Chris Bryant acquisition. You talked about Kevin Gosman. This is incredible what the San Francisco Giants have done. No one expected to say no one expected 80 wins is is honestly one of the biggest understatements <laughs> you could possibly say for them because people picked the Giants to finish pretty far down in this division and really weren't expecting much with this aging core, and yet every single one of their position players have seemingly put together a, just a, an above average season uh, offensively, and it is it's truly incredible. And like I said, Longoria is such a cool place to to go to especially him and Posey because those are probably the biggest names of guys that you would have said are said are certainly past their prime Mm -hmm. and don't have too much more to give well this year they have certainly proven that they have plenty more to give apparently because they have been the the two real linchpins in this lineup perfectly put and I'll end with Posey and I'll have the same things and the reason why I wanted to end with him is because He is coming off of a year where he did not touch a baseball in professional, in the professional leagues. He sat out because of COVID in 2020. So now at 34 years old, in his 12th season where he's already sat out for a year, certainly beyond his prime, he has 15 home runs tied for fifth, and it only goes up from there. His walk percentage is the best. His on-base percentage is tied for the best. His slugging is his second best. His weighted runs created plus is his second best, 151. And my favorite, his BABIP is 364, which is the second best of his career. Every time I said second best, it was second to his 2012 MVP season. (laughs) Yeah. Think about how good Buster Posey was in 2012. Think about how good the Giants were in that era. 
And they are literally putting together the same type of seasons, the same caliber of a season. You could say all, all these guys in the Giants deserve to be in the MVP conversation. I'm serious. Buster Posey deserves to be in the MVP conversation. And he's 34. He has had a, a surely Hall of Fame career. Oh, yes. And, and this will be one of the years that people point to as Wyatt and which so deep into his career. And if anything, that is just a testament, A, to the career that he's had, and B, to just the, the unbelievable numbers that he's truly been able to put up uh, this season, as you said, after an opt-out that just no one saw coming. Definition of house money. And the other thing that just popped Definition. into my head, his air has been in the giant system now for two years. Yeah, how Joey long have Bart, we been hearing about Joey Bart? Exactly. Right? He is maybe a tier below Adley Rushman, but pretty much right about there. He's going to be the future of the San Francisco Giants. And Buster Posey said, let's wait a minute because I got to put one more notch in my Hall of Fame career. I got to go out there one more time, at this point maybe a few more times, and show everybody that I'm going to turn back the clock to 2012 and throw together another MVP caliber season. Yeah, Certainly, understatement of the year to say that anybody expected this from the Giants. That's my favorite line from the show today. Yeah. <laughs> 80 I, I, win team. People didn't think the Giants were going to get to 80 wins, period. They're sitting at 80 yes. wins on August 24th. Truly, I mean, truly. I think, yeah. I think that that's what you look at. Oh, think I, about I where... You, you, sorry to cut you off. You could say no, that the, the uh, Giants and the Diamondbacks were a toss-up to finish four, uh, third or fourth in the NL West. The Dodgers, uh, excuse me, the Dodgers. The Giants are 80 and 44. Arizona, 42 oh, no. and 84. Like I said, look forward to the winter coming. That's what I told yes. Diamondbacks fans <laughs> a couple months ago. I still mean it. Pat, Diamondbacks fans stopped listening a while ago. Yeah, that's they a good stopped point. Listening. They, they probably should stop watching their team this year, too. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> for, for a team that it's certainly not over with, I will go to the Milwaukee Brewers. And, and truly one of the surprises of the season. I'm not sure. We talk about definition of, of understatement for what the Giants have done. If you're ever looking for the change of scenery type guy, you go to Milwaukee and you find Willie Adamas. And for me, this is my again, favorite. It just, I, I, you know I love Adamas, and I had to point it out because it really is so surprising what he was able to do. Of course, traded from the Tampa Bay Rays to the Milwaukee Brewers in the middle of May. Since coming over to the, well, we'll start with Tampa. It, it, in his first 41 games with the Rays this season, hit 197 with a 254 on base and a 77 OPS plus. In 80 games since coming to the Milwaukee Brewers, not only has he been one of the propelling forces that have sent the Brewers to overtake the Cubs and take over first place in that division from when when the Cubs were in first place when he first came over there, but he is hitting 290 with a 377 on base, a 144 OPS plus, and 17 home runs in those 80 games, which is just three off of his career high that he had with the Rays in a full season of 20 in 2019. Willie Domus has been one of the best players in the National League since he came over here. He is one of the main reasons why the Brewers are in first place. It was so poor with the Rays that I, I don't think people were expecting too much once he came over to the Brewers, but said, might as well make the deal. And what a season Willie Adamas has put together in the NL. If he was in here for a full season, again, he would be in that conversation for MVP. Yeah, I think you could legitimately say he is anyway. 
he's just yeah. not going to win it because he hasn't been there for the full season. This is turning into one of my favorite episodes. I love We're having this. some fun tonight. I yeah, like this is really fun. To say that he was th- a throwaway is putting it nicely. The Rays literally had to get rid of him because he was taking up space and <laughs> holding them back from the future, which is Wander Franco. And that's yep. obviously harsh, but that's what it was. The Rays had too many guys. They had Walls, they had Bruhan, and they had Franco. And Willie Adamas was a really nice stopgap for them for however long it took for those guys to develop. And that time came whenever Willie Adamas was traded in May of this year. I genuinely think, I'm being dead serious, they need to do some type of study on either Willie Adamas's brain or his yeah. eyes to see why he struggled so much at home at the trop and then fix the trop. Fix it so it this never happens to anybody again. Because or, imagine or just what, demolish it. Or, or just you don't even too. need the study. <laughs> just just get rid of it. Just but imagine what ground. imagine what Adamus's career would be like if he hadn't been in Tampa Bay for the majority of it so far. Yeah, it, it as you mentioned, the numbers are remarkable for for what how he performed at home at the trop in comparison <laughs> to what what he's done a away from it while he was with the Rays and then B once he came over to the Brewers. And as well, it's not just, you know, the first half when he when he went to the Brewers. The second half of the season, he is continuing that tear possibly even more so. He's already got 8 home runs so far in 32 games, had 14 in the first 86, hit 250 in the first half of the season is at 296 right now for the Jeez. second half. It, it And of course, all those second half games are with the Brewers, while the first half's a blend between Tampa and Milwaukee. Uh, I, I've said remarkable a couple times today, but I think this is a really good podcast to use the word remarkable mm-hmm. a couple of, t- of times because we're talking about surprises. I could not be more surprised about what Willie Adamas has been able to do and turn around his season and to really turn around the Brewers and get them into where they have a, a pretty strong stranglehold over the National League Central. That's where I was just going to go. The talk around the Brewers has been the big three, and very deservedly mm-hmm. so. Absolutely. But somebody has to hit on the Brewers. And that and somebody has been <laughs> Willie Adamas. <laughs> and it's been pretty one-sided. I mean, think about Christian Yelich is having a down year. He's finally yeah. starting to find it. Um Colton Wong hasn't been that great offensively. Keston Hura has been up and down between the minors and the majors. A lot of guys they took a chance on hasn't been performing. Willie Adams has quite literally thrown the Brewers' offense onto his back, and he's he's taking them right now. He's carrying them. Yeah, I would say so. It's it's honestly, it's Adams and Omar Navarez are your two big yeah. bats in, in that Milwaukee Man. lineup. And neither of them were heralded as big acquisitions when they happened. And they are the main drivers behind that Brewers offense right now. Right. Colin Wong is on the Brewers, right? Yes. Yeah, I was going to say. He was the one that took the bag. Did you see the Yadier Molina? He stole a base off of Yadier Molina. And then he literally took second base after the game. He picked up the base from the field and kept it. (laughs) It's not easy to steal a base off of probably the greatest defensive catcher of all time. No. And just a quick uh, note. I don't know if you saw it. He got extended, and the word on the street is that next year, 2022, is going to be his last year. So it would he make will sense. Get, he would get a farewell tour, which I think is only appropriate, and he gets to end his career in St. Louis, where he started. Also doesn't hurt to make $10 million for your farewell no, year. No, no. You, you know, know what? Bring Wayno <laughs> back. Bring them all back. Give him $10 million. Let's do it. 
Pujols is going to be a Cardinal next year. They're yes. Gonna, they're going to they're oh going to get the God. band back together. <laughs> they might as well. They don't have anything to go for right now. So. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately so. for them, none of them minus Wainwright can pitch, and that's what the Cardinals need. But yep. Yep. All right. I will do just a quick one. This this isn't really a long conversation, and I actually forgot to look up his contract beforehand. I think I have the ballpark though. We did a whole pod. We did a whole podcast episode on spotlighting greatness. And just as a side note, we've been getting a lot of great feedback on that lately. So yeah. So thank thank you. you so much to everybody who's listened. If you haven't. Shameless plug. I think it was the best one we've ever done. We literally spent the entire time talking about the craziest numbers in Shohei Otani and Jacob deGrom's season. It was pretty mind-blowing. A guy that you could easily put onto that same hemisphere is Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, it's one. A, I think that's a good name to throw out there. Yeah, it's one thing, as we're talking about the biggest surprises of the season, it's one thing to be named or to be expected to be the face of baseball to be nicknamed El Nino, to literally, literally be seen as the second coming of Mickey Mantle or Babe Ruth or Lou Gehrig or whatever older baseball player that you want to say. It's another thing to go out there and do it. Mm. And we're past the point where we can say that Fernando Tatis hasn't exceeded expectations. He leads baseball in OPS, which is well over a 1,000. And slucking, which is well over 650. He leads the NL in home in homers. And he's second in the NL with 23 stolen bases. Pat, he's barely qualified in all of those categories yep. because he's been on the IL so often. <laughs> and he exactly. is still that far above everybody. I, he, it, I, it just really... As you can see, as I'm having trouble stringing words together, (laughs) he had the highest expectations in the world, and he has been better than everybody thought he was going to be. How often does that happen? Uh, You're so right on all of it. There are only two knocks you can say on Fernando Tatis Jr., and the first is health, because we know, you know, obviously we want him to to stay healthy, and the second is is the amount of errors he's made at shortstop, but they kind of comes and goes with also the electricity that he brings at the at the spot where he's going to take risks you know and and a lot of the time he pulls them off with some some incredible plays as well but as if we're focusing on just Tatis the hitter just as you said he has surpassed every expectation that's been set for him which is almost impossible to do because the, the hype around him was so so high as you said, he's leading the National League in home runs, only playing in 94 games. Right. Uh, it's almost impossible. In, it's almost it's impossible almost, to do that. It's almost impossible to be as good as Fernando Tatis, where the only insult you can say is that, or not even insult, but criticism is just, can he stay on the field long enough mm-hmm. to continue to perform at the level that he performs at? Because whenever he's out there on the field, he's damn near the best player on the field every yeah. single time. So it, it's... it's uh, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, I wonder... We've had the conversation about how his game is going to change if he continues to dislocate this shoulder. Yes. It doesn't even matter, Pat. It does not matter to him because I wouldn't be surprised in five years if we're talking about how Fernando Tatis Jr. is one of the best right fielders in the game. He's that That wouldn't good. shock me either. Yeah, He's exactly. that versatile. Really He's that me. athletic. He's just plain good 
at baseball and he's gonna make it work no matter what. Every single time he's come off an IL stint, he's homered in his first game back. He just doesn't miss the ball. And that contract that I talked about, 14 years, $330 million. This came before this season, before he had even played 162 games. I thought there was no possible way he could be this good. And all we're talking about now in terms of criticism is that hopefully he can just stay on the field. It's absurd. It's truly absurd. And I know that we try and spend a lot of time highlighting the guys that aren't getting the credit. This guy, the credit might not even be enough. He is the face of baseball, but we still might not ever talk about him enough for what he deserves. Yeah, no, you're you're so right. We talk about it all the time with the health of the sport and the amount of stars that are in it right now. I mean, he is one of those driving forces behind that conversation and is either 1A or 1B with with him, Otani, Trout, DeGrom. I think those are probably your top guys across the entire sport, and uh, it is just a phenomenal time to be watching. Wow. I'm happy about it. I'm happy recording this episode. (laughs) Me too. So, no, that, that was great. I'll close it out with one team, and we, we can do this one pretty fast, too. I do want to say honorable mention for me, Akil Badu of the Detroit Tigers. Oh, good pick. Yeah. You know, not, he's not someone that get or a team that gets a ton of uh, looks either, you know, for obvious reasons. As they, they brought A.J. Hinch in there. They're trying to change the, the culture and all that. But Badu had never played above A-ball before this season. They call him up straight to the big leagues. He has a historic first month of the year and has really put together pretty solid numbers, you know, a 123 OPS+. plus. For, for him, he's one of the faster players in the game. He's got a, a big arm. He's got some pretty cool bat flips as well. So, you know, that, that doesn't hurt. Uh, 23 years of age, a really exciting player and someone that I, I think has put together a nice season. So there's a, a very, very quick note on someone that uh, we could have talked about. And then if I go team-wise, if you go the Braves, well, I go who they've been playing this week that has also really surprised and done the same thing that the Braves basically have, and that would be the New York Yankees in I think you can put it the exact same way, and I was surprised how bad things got in the Bronx. I it underlined by the fact that their own general manager called them unwatchable at one point this season, and then I'm incredibly surprised at how they've truly been able to turn things around and go on this crazy hot streak and get into a point where you feel pretty strongly that they're going to be there right at the end and will probably be in a playoff spot you know them boston oakland and uh, say seattle uh competing for for those wild card spots but kind of how they've done it i think is also really really impressive and it's that pitching you know a pitching staff that i certainly doubted for a big portion of the season has been one of the better pitching staffs especially by runs allowed this season and stability go month by month rankings this year for runs allowed 5th, 7th, 24th in June, which was their really, really bad month. 7th and 5th. So wow. a pretty stable number there for them. You know, we we know about what, what this offense has been able to do, especially with all of the acquisitions coming in that year. Gallo and, and your Rizzo, of course, has had some injury issues for him. Uh, but the other guy I want to look at, too, is Giancarlo Stanton has been really, really good lately. And I wonder if that does have anything to do with him being moved back into play the outfield for the first time really in a couple years as the Yankees have tried to shield him from injuries. You know, maybe it helps him get into a little bit more of a rhythm. Uh, You know, another big game from him last night, a stat I just had to mention, he has 21 hits 
of 119 miles per hour oh, or more since 2015. Stat. Yes. All other players in Major League Baseball since then have a com- a combined number of nine. Nine total, and he has 21. It's insane. It is incredible. So there's your New York. Quick thing on the New York Yankees. Could have spent a long time, honestly, analyzing the whole thing, but. Pitching's been better than expected. The offense got, you know, some some juice put into it with Gallo and Rizzo. And Giancarlo Stanton is, is really helping lately with as he is on one of his uh, patented tears that Stanton seems to go on every single year. Yeah, three quick things. Didn't realize those pitching numbers were as good as they actually no, were. No, it wow. shocks you, right? Yeah, Stanton, uh, excuse me, Rizzo and Gallo are not even playing that well right now. And the Yankees no. are still in the position that they're in. And then the third quick thing is that I think the Yankees are going to kick themselves for not playing Stanton in the outfield sooner. I think you hit the nail so on the head. I think like... that's going to make his game better. <laughs> I remember talking a couple weeks ago about the Mets. And unfortunately, they just got to the limit of the next man up mentality. Yes. And their next man up just couldn't do the job anymore. The Yankees haven't gotten there yet. Andrew Velasquez is still a quality player for them at shortstop. Nestor Cortez Jr. has become a serious contribution in the rotation. Gil, like all these guys, it doesn't stop. And it's been a joke for years about Yankees next man up, all these injuries. It is no joke this year. A Nestor Cortez matchup is something that scares me as a Red Sox fan. And I'm being dead serious right now. It's all—it's just constant. They find ways to win. And it's so infuriating. But you got to give it to Cashman. You got to give it to Boone, who, dear God, had a horrible roller coaster season. Fans just did not cut him a break. And then all these guys on the Yankees stand. Sanchez is just hounded. Cole was hounded. Judge was hounded, even though he had a career yep. season. And finally, they're just—they're really just shoving it to everybody right now. They are. They are on on one heck of a run right now, and I'm so impressed with it because I, when Cashman was going through that and, and declared them unwatchable, I certainly felt the same way and did not yeah. think that this Yankee team was going to bounce back. The offense was so putrid for for this long, and the offense has come around now do i think they're as good as they are right now no i i don't but clearly they also weren't as bad as they were through their stretches so i think they're probably a little closer uh, the middle might not be fair i, I think they're still a, a, one of the better teams in baseball but this is very impressive for the the run they've been able to go on to put themselves in this position as we head into september yeah, they're about to win their 11th straight game. They haven't done that since 1985. I don't think they're going to be running this type of, yeah. riding this type of wave into the postseason. But at this point, they are 100% a playoff no, team in my mind, which you definitely couldn't have said even a month ago. Do I think they can match up against some of the NL yep. teams? No, but they might come out of the AL. Uh, let's not even go down that road right now. I'm not ready for that. But the Yankees are don't, very good let's, right I don't, don't want to talk about it either. <laughs> Not ready to talk about the Yankees winning the NL. Oh my God! I don't know why I said that. No, we'll we'll save that for our four-hour playoff preview. Yeah, exactly. uh, Exactly. We'll have enough content for that. (laughs) Perfect example, though, of another storyline that no matter which way it ended, they would have been on this list if they stayed as bad as they were. They would have been one of the biggest surprises, and now that they've been this good. 
they're still one of the biggest surprises. But that was a really fun episode. I'm so glad we did that. Yeah, as am I. All right, you got a number to finish us off? Oh, I I can start us off first. So I stayed in baseball because obviously where else did you think I was going (laughs) at this point? And and my number was, was 25. And what that is, that's actually updated from tonight, is the now the longest streak in Major League history since 1961 of reaching base safely for a player under 21 years of age, and that would be our man, Wander Franco, who just tied Ken Griffey Jr. for the longest streak, as I said, since 1961, with 25 straight games reaching base. He joins a list... That includes Roberto Alomar, who also did it 25 times, and Alex Rodriguez, who did it 22 times. You know, Wander came up and, of course, you know, lit the world on fire with the home run in his first game. Definitely went into some struggles, was hitting under 200 for a little while there, but has really turned things around. He's got his average up to almost 270, uh, an OPS plus of 20% better than average, six home runs this season. And remember, as we just said, he is 20 years old and has just reached pace in 25 straight games the future is so incredibly bright for wander franco and it is too cool of a number for me to pass up holy crap i'm actually speechless right now i wouldn't have been i wouldn't have been able to guess you gave me that uber specific under 21 on base streak and i literally wouldn't have been able to guess because i didn't think wander franco was that good i have no idea he'd been on straight games games. holy crap that's that's insane that is really really good wow it's it's pretty cool so like i said too cool of a number for me to pass up this week i i my delivery wasn't as great as i would have liked it to be but the stat still stands yeah 25 straight games reaching base for a player under 21 years of age you definitely got the point across when you say names like ken griffey jr and alex rodriguez i think you grab people's attentions just just by that alone now i think it's you're right though it's going to be the perfect balance between the three-run homer, and then when he was sit- hitting around 200. He's going to be just yep. fine. He's going to continue to get his rhythm, and the Rays are going to be good for years and years and years. So that's always the bottom line. <laughs> oh, have we mentioned he's 20 years old as well? Yeah, so he's got a little bit of time fact. to continue to grow to grow into this role as well, and he's already doing, obviously, a pretty decent job. He could play in the big leagues for 20 years at this point. N- pull a Nelson yeah. Cruz and play until yeah. you're 40-plus years old. And so, change positions at 41, right? So yeah, oh my gosh. First base tonight as we record. I meant to, to check him out. First career start at first base. Wow. You don't see that very often. I guess you can teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to move us away from baseball, actually. And forgive me, I completely, <laughs> completely forgot about our number segment until about 10 minutes ago. And I had to do some quick math in my head. So this That's is a... All right. A days and again it's on it's in my head so don't take me for exact but the craziest number i heard this week is 173 ish in that range 173 ish i I like that i'm gonna quote you on that (laughs) thank you (laughs) 173 ish (laughs) is the number of days it took for colin gillespie to tear his mcl until today, when he was fully cleared for basketball activities. Pat, the cats are back. Colin and Jermaine are back. And they are going to win a national championship this season. 
Wow, I was not expecting to go here with a number, but I'm certainly not <laughs> upset by it when you when you bring it up. Yes, it was great news today to see that that Gillespie was cleared to return. Uh, apparently, there was a, a list of Villanova injuries that happened over the summer with Justin Moore, Brandon Slater, uh, Caleb Daniels, and, and Gillespie, of course, being the, the most notable. And Samuels as well had surgery this summer. So a huge chunk of Villanova players have gone through some some injuries over the last couple months. Apparently, they are all healthy, minus Demir Cosby-Roundtree as of right now. I think that is very, very exciting as we're about uh, nine weeks or so away yeah. from, from the season tipping off. Um, th- this is, as you said, this is going to be a huge year for, for Villanova basketball with the guys returning as well as the talent coming in. <sighs> it is it is going to be fun come November. That's all I have to say. <laughs> and I was just going to say, Pat and I might have some news. We've got a lot of good stuff we going might. on. We might. Basketball. We'll keep that on the DL for now. But anyways, 173-ish days. I think it's an incredible recovery from Colin Gillespie. You know he's going to come out so hungry because he wasn't able to compete in the last month or so of the season and then in the big dance i think it's i think it's really going to come together you know i know experience wins in march and villanova has that to a t this year should definitely be one of the favorites for the wooden award with with gillespie coming back this year so it's it's uh as i said it's it's loading up to be a big year for Villanova basketball. It's going to be a great year period in the Big East with UConn another year in. Uh, Creighton's kind of re- retooled a little bit. This is this is going to be great. It's all, I just I love college basketball. I really wasn't expecting you going there with your stats, so that's why I'm not more prepared and it's just me more gushing with a smile on my face thinking about it. But it's uh, it's coming and I can't wait for it to start. Villanova UCLA first week of the season by the way in Los Angeles. Yeah, that's going to set the tone really, really well. I would say so. I obviously wasn't expecting you to get it from the number, but I felt like my phone was flooded today with messages about Colin and all over Insta and Twitter about him coming back. He's all into it. He's feeding right into it. He, this is just, he's frothing at the mouth to get back onto the court. I'm so excited. And for for something as serious as an MCL tear, to be back fully healthy by the beginning of next season is very impressive to me. It is, yeah. The, the group chat with the boys was definitely uh, <laughs> there was some action in it today when after that news came out, <laughs> there was some excitement. But no, you you are right. It does feel like a very quick recovery here. Uh, I mean, I, I trust the Villanova medical staff that oh, 100%. that he is yeah. all good to go, and uh, they'll continue to ramp him up here as we get closer. As we said, we still have nine weeks, you know, before yeah. the season starts. So there's certainly time for him to ramp up activity, and I'm uh, I'm ready for some Nova basketball. I'm ready for some college basketball. It's right around the corner. Oh yeah. But before we get there, we've got six weeks of unbelievable baseball to watch. Let's and get And the it. NFL on the way as well. And college football a week away as well. We <sighs> are stuff. in... Oh, things are good right now. Keep things us locked are... in. We are hitting our stride right now. Oh, yes, we are. So things are really exciting. But all right, that will do it then for us on the Did You Hear podcast surprise edition. Uh, Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes and follow us on Spotify. Leave a rating as well as it really helps us out. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DidYouHearPod. We'll be back on Friday for some weekly walk-off. And Emma, that's a wrap.